0: All right, let's pray. Let's trust God to speak to us again this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together here. That, Lord, we have heeded the call. You stirred our hearts, Lord, to come together yet once again. On a Sunday morning, Lord, we come to worship you. We come, God, to bring our tithe and our offerings. We come to love on you as you love on us. And, Lord, we have come to hear your word that you speak to us. God, that you instruct us in regards to uh, your plan for our lives. That you teach us. Uh, how to live a, uh, a godly life and how to live a successful and a fulfilled life. And so we just, uh, Lord, we just clear our minds right now. We put aside preconceived ideas. And, Lord, we choose to receive your word and to be doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the message this morning is entitled, The Power of a Vision. The Power of a Vision. Pastor Vanessa brought a word last week that was very powerful, In fact, she entitled her message that we arrive at our destination uh, in terms of the whole aspect of visions and dreams, and it was quite a comprehensive message. Um, And in fact, uh, in fact, we worked together on getting the outline. Sort of, we choose the outline, it was I don't know how many pages. And I could have squeezed it down and dropped out a couple of things and squeezed it down so we can get it into one outline. Um, and, um, in fact, I said to uh, Vressa this morning, I says I will not be preaching very long. I says we got time for other things. And she says, you always say that. And, you know, that's the trouble of preachers like that. There's just so much to be said. And, uh, and she reminded me, she says, you always say that. And so I'm planning to not go very long today. But we'll see, you know, the Bible says that man makes plans, but God determines the outcome. (laughs) And uh, so what I would like to do is to just uh, continue on from where Pastor Vanessa left off, and maybe just fill in a couple of the gaps here and there, just bring a bit more understanding and remind us of the importance of a vision, that if you haven't got a a vision, uh, you, you better get one. You better get one quickly, and if you've got a vision, make sure you write it down uh, because that'll be the general thrust of this morning's uh, message. So, yeah. So, if you didn't get to the to the service last Sunday, I encourage you to jump online, get on our website, and listen to the message. It's a God word. It's a now word. It's a it's a prophetic word for this church for now. Um, and so, the power of a vision. Uh, Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. It says, "Where there is no vision." the people perish or the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Um, So there's different translations of uh, the Bible bring out sort of slightly different aspects. uh, As I quoted, uh, King James version says uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, And, uh, you know, we have got different ideas in regards to what perishing looks like. But you know, when, when, uh, When food goes off, we say it's perished, and sometimes people go off. They go off in their attitude, they go off in their their life, they're just all over the place, and what's happening is no vision. There's no vision. They only got a vision to fight and to scrap with everybody, always fighting a battle with somebody, whereas other people got a vision they want to go somewhere. They want to live a life of peace. Uh, They want to live a life of blessing. And uh, so where there's no vision, the people live unrestrained. Um, So people with no vision live unrestrained and unfocused lives. Uh, If I were to have uh, two uh, torches um, both with batteries inside One's just a general torch that we used to get many years ago. That's just a torch with an incandescent bulb and, uh, you know, it was all right. But nowadays you get torches. In fact, nowadays you get them uh, laser uh, torches where you can throw a, a, a bundle beam from one end of the valley across to the other and beyond. If you tried that with a torch, if you look at it from the other end, you wouldn't even see it because the light diffuses. It's the lights all over the place if I can say that. But uh, with the laser, it, 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 it starts bundled and it remains bundled. And God wants our life to be bundled with focusing our attention and our energy and our faith in a in a direction rather than be all over the place. Of course, uh, there is multiple things going on in our lives. It's good to have a, a general vision uh, for our life. It's good to have uh, a specific vision for our spiritual life, for our natural life, for our family, for our vocation, for our, for our education, and for, for financial vision, and so forth. So there's multiple things going on, but let me, let me tell you, in this bundle, in this laser, there's multiple strains that we can fit inside and still stay bundled and, uh, and focused rather than be diffused in all directions. So people who haven't got a vision for their life live unrestrained and unfocused. And sometimes you wonder, look at people and say, why are you doing that? Uh, why, why are you over here? Why are you over there? And say, just, you know, just drifting. Uh, and But people who have a vision for their life live a disciplined and a focused life. A discipline comes from knowing where we are going. And then discipline, you know, it's the same with plants. If we have uh, if we have uh, you know plants in our garden, I remember and I told this story before, but this uh, and I many years ago I bought some tomato plants or one tomato plant that, that I bought and called a Super Tom. I don't know if you can still get him today, but Super Tom. I suppose Tom stands for tomato. I just had that revelation now, Super Tomato. I just had a revelation. And uh, I put this thing down, and I tell you, it's like phenomenal. Just the growth was just unbelievable. And I put it in between two bay windows against a brick wall um, in a sunny spot, and nice, I. think this thing just took off. And so I sprayed some wires across and went beyond. And then somebody said, you got to just trim this thing down a bit and, and nip a few things out because it'll just, just all the energy will just go into the, growth of the plant rather than into producing fruit. And sometimes people absorb all of their energy in just the growth of, you know, just whatever, rather than focusing and bundling all the energy that comes up uh, through the ground and all the nutrients and all the zap, so to speak, into producing fruit. God wants us to produce fruit. God wants us to live a fruitful life. Um, So let me then quickly summarize uh, when we speak about vision, what are we talking about? Uh, of course, there's different types of vision. Somebody says, oh, I was praying and I had a vision, and, and that's wonderful. And somebody said, look, I, had, uh, I, was, I was sleeping and I had a dream, and it was so clear it was a vision. It was a Holy Spirit vision, and that's wonderful. But, you know, in a general sense, a vision is a snapshot of the future. It is a mental image that is seen through the eyes of our imagination. You know, if we uh, look at around with our physical eyes, we can see things, but we can look around, uh, we can look into the future with the eyes of our Im- imagination. We can train ourselves to, th- to see things quite clearly, uh, to see the future in regards to what it potentially could look like if we bundle our energies and move forward into it. Then a vision is a hope of a better life, a hope of a healed body, a hope of needs met, and on goes the list. And then finally, a vision is a desired outcome in the future. And the emphasis there is desired. Everybody gets an outcome, but we want a desired outcome rather than an undesirable outcome. All right, so we can have different visions. Like we could have a vision in regards to, you know, health, uh, in regards to what our body is going to look like in five years' time, ten years' time, and there's nothing wrong with having such a vision. If you have no vision, you could find that, just, uh, that there's unrestrainedness there uh, and, and on goes the list. So we should all have a vision in Habakkuk. Uh, or Habakkuk, as they say in America. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Underline the word, write the vision. Uh, There's like instruction here. This is a a kind of an instructional piece of scripture where God speaks to us and tells us to do something with our vision. He says, write the vision and make it plain upon tablet that he may run who reads it. Uh, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Tarries means though it delays, uh, though it may delay for a while. He says, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry or it will not delay forever. Um, And so um, there's something about a vision that sometimes people can get discouraged pretty quick because it's, oh, I've written it down and nothing's happened. God says, wait for it. Continue to stay focused. Keep your energies bundled. Don't say, oh, and then go back to just diffusing your energies in all directions. Wait for it. He says, though it tarries, though it delays, it delays for a while. Uh, He says, but it'll surely come to pass. And uh, so, you know, the instructions here are to write the vision and to make it plain and understandable. Sometimes we get a vision uh, that's not necessarily like, you know, fall down and have, be, have a trance and see a vision. But I think we just, we kind of, you know, it's God and us sort of working together and allowing the Holy Spirit to just stir our hearts about future things and, you know, sometimes certain activities that we might do that don't require a great deal of brain power. Or, or don't require us to speak and so forth. We just sort of daydream and we start to visualize and, and so forth. And sometimes it's good to say, hello, this is something to, more than just uh, you know drifting through the day. I, I believe God's speaking to me and it's good to write it down. Um, I had this sense that sometimes people think that they need to buy expensive paper uh, in order to write their vision down and have it all framed and all everything. And you know, it's lovely to do that, but sometimes just dawdling is, is a good thing to start. Just scribbling is a good place to start because you can tweak it. Uh, and sometimes people, and I can fit into that category, just because I can't do it perfectly, I don't do it at all. God, just write something down. Begin to commit something to paper. Begin to commit your thoughts and aversion to paper. Paper. Everybody say paper. Now, of course, nowadays we've got tablets. We've got so many other things. But I tell you, I have a love-hate relationship with paper. Everybody say paper. <laughs> uh, I can't live without paper. I'd like to, but I cannot live without paper. But then i got so much paper, it almost gets overwhelming. I, and I tell you, I've got uh, I've got these exercise pads with the little spiral thing. That kind of works best for me. I've done that for years, and it just I haven't found a better system just now. And it feels so good when I look at the page where in the beginning I've written down I guess we might call it a vision, it could be for church, it could be for a specific t- department in the life, for the church, it could be a meeting with somebody, it could be anything. I'll just write down the heading, then I'll write down my thoughts as they come to me in the beginning, because sometimes the initial thoughts contain the, the, the gist of the vision. We can pack it out and fill it in more, Uh, it's a bit like a concertina, you know, Uh, you just got this concertina uh, thing, and if it's just packed together, there's actually not that much, but when you pull it all out, you know, it makes a good sound, and so it is with a vision, just, even if it's just packed together, you can concertina it out later on, um, and pack it out, and then I write a date on it, and sometimes I write down where I was, and uh, what I was doing, and what was going on at the time, just a couple of Uh, sentences and sometimes just a couple of phrases and you know what I pick up this piece of paper and in an instant it translates me back to where I was and what I was initially thinking about uh, as this thing began to stir in my heart. And what I was leading up to say was this, that then I usually write down some more things and, and from vision it goes to strategy and then to plans. So, Alright, let's make this happen, let's do this, let's do that uh, and then it's completed. And sometimes I just as I, say, I take my writing pad and I put a line through it, it's all completed. This is a vision that's come to pass. It could have been perhaps a need where I believe in God for this or that or the other and when it's all done and dusted I tear the thing out and I crumple it up and throw the paper away. I don't need to write it anymore because I'm the, the vision has come to pass. But initially we start by receiving the vision and by writing it down. Many times people receive the vision alright. They, they dream. they get they get Holy Spirit dreams and visions stirring in their hearts. And just because they're not as breathtaking as some of them may be. They think, oh, yeah, it's just probably just me. No, no, it's you and the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, it's you and the Holy Spirit working together. Write things down. That becomes the starting point towards the fulfillment of the vision. If you don't write it down, chances are it'll never get to fulfillment. Uh, So as I say, love-hate relationship with paper. Um, Sometimes the more need to write things down, Uh, it signifies a more significant life with multiple things going on. The reality is we can only retain so much at any given time in our mind, and then we start dropping things, we start forgetting things. And some people are uh, are better at remembering others, but nobody can remember everything and hold everything in their mind, or it just can't be done. Imagine, I was just thinking, imagine, you know, uh, uh, the way that, uh, say, for argument, say companies run or say banks. Imagine a bank that doesn't write anything down. You know, a bank like it's got customers, there's deposits, there's loans, there's transactions, stuff going. Imagine if they didn't write anything down and they, and, they, and you go down, there, say, I'd like to withdraw, uh, uh, I'd like to withdraw, uh, say $500. Um, tell might i say, weren't you here last week? You withdrew something? No, I deposited something last week. And you know, on goes the trouble. If you didn't write anything down, you know, you know, like a life that doesn't need to write anything down is probably quite small. Uh, and there's not much involvement in different things. Um, but the more you write down, the more you can increase your capacity. Everybody has got a huge potential on the inside of them. The potential is this big. But if things are not written down, it's only that much that comes to pass. And I'm not trying to belittle anybody. And if you haven't written anything down, I'm not trying to push you down. I'm simply saying, start writing things down. Commit things to paper and allow the Spirit of God to stir your heart and to lead you and guide you as you just start scribbling. And as you start scribbling, suddenly more comes. And that becomes the starting point towards the fulfillment of, uh, of the vision. So we're instructed to write it, make it plain and understandable. A vision that is written and made plain can be rehearsed and meditated, meditated upon over and over again. I've said this before, but uh, sometimes I get like a, a Holy Spirit inspiration terms of it could sometimes just a thought, sometimes just a, a picture, sometimes just a series of, of pictures or something in the middle of the night. Um, and, um, and I know this is God speaking to me, and I've, I've, there's been times that I'll write it down in the morning, and then I wake up in the morning and suddenly not there anymore, <laughs> so, because that was an inspiration. And, uh, and God sometimes wants us to take it seriously when we when he speaks to us he wants us to take it serious enough to write it down so we can go over it you know the bible is god's vision that he had somebody write it down imagine if it's just all oral uh passed on orally we we wouldn't have faith in this thing because stuff that's passed on orally just gets stuff gets dropped things get added in and suddenly you no longer have the the, the genuine deal on your hand. Um, so the Bible is God's vision uh, for our lives. He wants us to know who he is and who we are and how we can connect with him and how we can spend eternity with him and so forth. And when God speaks to us, he wants us to take it seriously. You see, we produce outlines because we felt that if God speaks to us through the preaching of the word, and he does, uh, we ought to take it seriously to commit it to paper and to write it down and uh, Because nowadays we take these uh, outlines, we take them with us into our life group meeting and I understand there's been some really lively discussions last week with the message that Pastor Vanessa brought because suddenly people's hearts are stirred uh, with the Word of God, and that's what happens. So, yeah, so let's write it down. God says, write it down so you can go over it again, just over and over, and it keeps us focused and motivated. Uh, sometimes people say, oh, I just struggle with motivation. Well, write it down and reread it. If your motivation drains away, pick up that piece of paper again or pick up that, open up that document again in your tablet or in your, in your Smart device or whatever you've got uh, um, or your whiteboard at home or whatever you do, whatever you do um, keeps us focused and motivated. Um, a vision that is written can be used to visualize a desired future. Uh, visualization has sometimes been uh, kind of decried as just being some sort of uh, occultic thing, but actually a visualization comes from God. God visualized the world. And a creation and then he brought it to pass and god wants us to visualize a better future and different aspects of it so when we go over that piece of paper again in our quiet moments and uh and as we are spending time praying you know what you know we might call even a prayer journal just writing things down as we are praying writing down impressions writing down scriptures and as i say i have i have got i've got writing pads uh, that from from three years ago that uh, everything that's been torn out is gone, but everything that's still partly you know, not completed, sometimes it's just an idea for a message that God wants me to preach and so forth, and I might reach back sometimes two, three years to pick that thing up and say, now is the right time to do this, and now is the time to do that. So paper is very important. Writing things down is very important. A vision that is not written and not made plain can be easily forgotten. It can't just drift away on us. It can drift out of our grasp. Uh, it is difficult to visualize because our mind tends to wander. And it's not just you thinking, oh, my mind wanders. Most people's minds wander. Uh, and that's why we keep, keep ourselves focused by writing it down so the mind doesn't drift. Uh, and sometimes even when we pray, uh, it's having sort of a vision as to what we are praying about because in prayer sometimes, you know, like in prolonged times of prayer, like praying for an hour or two, it's amazing how the mind can just wander all over the place. So it's good to keep things focused. And then thirdly, a vision that's not written down is easily overpowered by negative images of the future negative images of the future, fears of accidents, calamities, and so forth, and and bad stuff happening. Uh, Everybody gets those to a certain extent. Uh, That stuff's in the atmosphere. Uh, Our atmosphere is infested with demon spirits that try to come and put stuff on us, fears, images of bad stuff happening and everything. And we need to learn the discipline of fighting all of these thoughts and not letting them get established in our mind. So. I want to start here. Uh, no, by the way, that was the introduction. <laughs> that was the introduction. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Uh, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. because um, course, uh, this is the record of the building of the Tower of Babel. Uh, we just preached about that on uh, Thursday night in Bible College. That uh, Nimrod was a mighty hunter. The Bible says. Uh, Bible speaks about him uh, here in Genesis chapter 11, chapter 12, and he is the man that led the people, gathered them together, and he said, "Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build a city, uh, and let us build a tower which uh, whose top will reach right up into the sky." In fact, they found uh, towers of that description in Assyria, in present-day Iraq. Uh, there's still towers there, Uh, there's one tower that they reckon was 70 meters tall, which back then was huge, like today they built multi-story buildings, no problem, but we got you know, technology. We got all, all sorts of things going on, which they didn't have back then. But they had a vision. And no doubt they wrote it down, because if we say, let's build a city, then well, where, where, where shall we build it? At? And how are we going to lay it out? Is there some town planning? And, and if you're building a tower, is it going to be wide or narrow? Is it going to be oblong? Is it going to be round? You need to write these things down. And that's exactly what they did. And then the Bible says that God came down and had a look what they were doing. And it was like almost like God was Almost like in praise, uh, look what they have done, and uh, and uh, of course uh, we know that there was uh, God wasn't involved. God hadn't led him to do that. Uh, that uh, that uh, tower was no doubt an occultic tower. They used to start to worship false gods back then, and God wasn't called upon. In that instance, so it was like almost like a false unity and a false vision to do something for themselves rather than saying, let's do something for God. Uh, But God noted here, and he said, now nothing uh, that they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Um, And so even though their motivation was wrong, they imagined uh, or rather they achieved what they imagined to do. It's like in that instance there, God reveals to us. Uh, God like, gives us insight that there is tremendous power available to the human being if we learn how to use our imagination creatively. God says nothing will be restrained from them that they have imagined to do and you know you look today at human human achievements it's just amazing uh, I should say though uh, what we're able to achieve today is because godly people received uh, insight from God in regards to s- the sciences and revelation on how to do things and inventions and so forth and a lot of inventions that we take for granted today you trace their, 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 your way back to the people that received them many of them were believers like people like Eisen, Isaac Newton uh, and, and various other people, even Einstein was a believer, he was a Christian, and these people had learned how to work with God and and to allow their imagination to be directed by the Spirit of God, and they downloaded things from heaven so we can do things today. Uh, It's amazing how we can virtually cover the whole world with, say, a TV program or an internet broadcaster, where they have uh, internet and television reception and get a message worldwide. You see, God wanted all that to happen so that the gospel can be preached worldwide and so God is into inventions and God likes it. I know that some people, they'd rather still be back in the dark ages, but they were in good days in the dark ages. I mean, praise God for revelation. Praise God for the sciences. Praise God for all the understanding that we have today. So there's tremendous power and ability at the disposal of human beings. They built this city and this tower without God. But, you know, they're tapped into this. Uh, just willpower is an amazing thing. Uh, and imagination is a is a God-given faculty that even without God, what well, people are able to achieve. But imagine what we can do with God. It's working together with God and uh, allowing him to use our imagination where the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to draw on the canvas of our Im- imagination, he begins to show us things of what's possible in the future and begins to instruct us in regards to where to go and what, to do and how to bring things about, um, just amazing ability and power available to us. When we become born again and our imagination gets connected back to God, it becomes sanctified. And we can use it to imagine, to invent, to create things that's both in the natural realm as well as in the spiritual realm. We are spiritual beings. We have not only willpower, but we got the power of God at our disposal. And we learn how to speak the word of God uh, and how to speak blessing into our future. Because God created by speaking words and He made us in His image and in His likeness and we speak words and with our words we create. Can I suggest that our present world at this point in time is a sum total of words that we have spoken and things that we might have seen in our imagination. And, you know, sometimes people's lives don't look so good, and sometimes people have had, had imaginations used all right, but it's been used for fears rather than for blessing. And they've spoken their fears and somehow, and we need to fight fears, and we need to fight these negative images that the devil wants to embed in our imagination. Because if we nurture fears long enough, and speak them out. We are releasing power to bring those fears to pass in our lives. We haven't got time to get into the book of Job right now, But Job had a disaster happen in his life, and much of it would be, he says, that which I feared has come upon me. That which I was greatly afraid of has happened to me. And so, friend, don't entertain fears. Uh, Don't speak them out. Just fight them. Uh, Just don't let negative images be embedded in your mind and in your heart, and don't let them sit there because your imagination knows how to bring forth things. So the imagination of God's people is enlightened. Let me read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, 17 and 18. Paul speaking, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Here it is. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. we got physical eyes, but our understanding has got eyes as well. Uh, That word understanding there is from the Greek word dianoia. And we have spoken about dianoia before because in other parts of the Bible it is translated as imagination. So it says the the eyes of your imagination being enlightened, being illuminated, receiving vision. Uh, Going right back to uh, our opening scripture in Proverbs, was it Proverbs uh, 29, 18, where it says, without a vision, my people perish. One translation says, without a prophetic vision. When God brings a message, a word into our lives, that's a vision. And then we are motivated, and we are instructed in regards to what to do. We don't drift. We live focused lives. So literally, the eyes of your understanding Being enlightened means the eyes of your imagination being enlightened. Being enlightened with Holy Spirit illumination. Being enlightened, illuminated with the Word of God. The Word of God brings light. The Bible says the entrance of God's Word brings light. And sometimes people couldn't see beyond themselves. They couldn't look into the future confidently until they get born again and filled with the Spirit and get the teaching of God's Word so that they can dare to believe and dare to visualize a better future. People just, uh, many of you could get up and say, wow, my life has so changed since I got born again. My future wasn't looking good and my present was a disaster. and My, pa- my past was worse still. But ever since God came into my life and I allowed the Spirit of God to just, you know, bring courage into my life and, and face the future confidently and, uh, and deal with the things of the past and, and, and so forth and learn how to use my imagination for faith things rather than for fear things, my life has so changed. This is one of our Bible college students was just testifying. So look, my my life was just one of worry. Just worry about this, worry about that, worry about the other. Just one year of Bible college, says it's all gone. It is now all gone. There's no more worry. There's no more fears. The imagination of unregenerate people on the other hand, is darkened. It's interesting how the Bible speaks about the one and about the other. Born-again people are regenerate, what we call born-again, regenerate. And then people that are not born-again are still lost, they're still unregenerate. And their understanding is darkened, their imagination. Look here, uh, Ephesians 4.17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer Uh, Walk is the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Gentiles speaks of non-Jewish people. um, And in this instance, they're unsafe people. He says, don't walk like they walk uh, in the futility of their mind. uh, um, Having their understanding darkened, verse 18, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I mean, there's just multiple things going on. There's ignorance. There's blindness of the heart. uh, There is a a darkening that's going on. And, uh, you know, the Bible speaks of the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that shines into people's hearts when they hear the gospel. And that, like uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, creating a crack in that heart to bring light and to bring understanding, and to ultimately bring, you know, the new birth, and to bring eternal life, and forgiveness of sins, and that become the starting point of a glorious future. There's two basic functions of our imagination faculty, and they are pre-play and replay. All of us understand replay when we used to have a a video player, and now DVD player. Put that CD in, or that DVD rod, or that that old video, and just play, you know, replay whatever has been recorded. Replay, uh, and we understand that. Um, but you know, part of our capacity in our imagination is to pre-play. We can play things that haven't happened yet. We can project into the future and visualize a better life. Visualize that say the struggle is over and that good things begin to come. That say a young person might pray and, and is struggling at studying and so forth because things are such a struggle, there's such blockages for who knows what. And suddenly through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that things are now easy. An ability that wasn't there before, and suddenly there is an ability there, visualizing things, to imagine, to pre-live. So it's pre-play and replay, pre-live and relive. And here's the problem: everybody's got those two capacities within them as part of their imagination. But sadly, a lot of people, too many people, live constantly in the past by reliving and replaying their hurts, their failures, and their disappointments, just over and over and over. I'd say take that remote and put the whole show on stop. Stop. Take that that old tape out, that old disk, take it out. If it's on the hard drive, yank out the hard drive and stick in a new one. Stop rehashing. There's a quote here by Charles F. Kettering. He says, My interest is in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. I think that's smart. (laughs) I'm interested in the future because you can't change the past. You know, in our present, we can undo some things, you know, sometimes just saying sorry, sometimes just making good, you know, maybe I've messed up. But at a certain point, certain things of the past cannot be reconciled. Certain things just need to be laid to rest. You know, just toss the disc away. Just don't go back to it anymore. Charles Kettering um, is a man that uh, invented some electric equipment uh, for for catch. Cash registers, and he also was involved in the uh, in the designing and in the manufacturing of uh, starter motors for motor vehicles. You know, in the old days, they used to have to crank them with a crank in the front. Uh, we wouldn't remember that because uh, I still remember cr- cranking up a, a tractor when the battery had died and sort of you know to crank this thing up. But anyway, he was a brilliant man. He's an inventor, and uh, and uh, his contribution to to mankind is you know, immeasurable, we can now just go, start the motor. I mean, how about that? (laughs) If this guy had lived his life in the past, as so many other people do, we might might still be cranking our our car engines this morning. When we get out there and say, okay, let me bring out the crank. (laughs) How bad would that be? I'm interested in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. Friend, let go of the things of the past. Become interested in your future. Invest in your future by locking together with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to draw on the canvas of your life things that you're able to do. Things that you're able to bring forth with the giftings and the talents that God's given you, unlocking gifts and visualizing what is actually possible. And you know, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I was just the other day, came across a piece of paper that I had written back in, uh, I think there's some date on there, in 1980, 1997. uh, When Vanessa and I started the church back in uh, 1989, we planted the church uh, and we had a vision back then to have a Bible college running. And... uh, so I began to write some things down. After a while, I said, "We need to start something here." And uh, and when I look at it today, it's almost like some of it is almost like uh, you know quite uh, what's the word? Quite rudimentary and quite uh, quite basic. But you know what? It became the starting point of the fulfillment of the vision that is fully realized today. If I had never written anything down. God wouldn't know what to bring to pass in my life because God does not work contrary to us. God works with us. God gives us a desire. God gives us a a hope and a future and then helps us to bring it to pass and to move in that direction. That's why I said before, even just scribbling to begin with, is a good starting point and allowing things to build on there and you know just writing a new version, scrapping the old one and then just packing it out And because nowadays it's just amazing how you, know, you take a Word document on a computer and just write down three headings and create a space in between and just fill out the gaps and it's just amazing what we can do nowadays and, and delete and start again uh, just, just write things down write things down, what is your vision for life? you have a a vision for a better day, for a better future? In Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, it says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid a hold of me. So Paul the Apostle speaking, he says, I haven't arrived yet. He says, I haven't fully attained. Uh, He says, but I press on. He says, I'm going to lay hold of some things. He says, Jesus laid a hold of me, and I'm laying a hold of some things. He's speaking about a vision. He's speaking about a fulfillment of something. And here it says in verse 13, brethren, he says, Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, circle the word one thing. It's like one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So Paul the Apostle wasn't living his life in the past, He's living his life in the future, in, in the present and in the future. If he had lived his life in the past, he would have just spent time just wallowing in, in the disappointment how he had killed Christians and, and thought he was working for God and did it completely wrong. But no, he says he, at a certain point he just said, I'm forgetting those things which lie behind. And no matter what disasters lie in our history, at a certain thing we need to put this baby to bed and not visit it again, just let it go and, and move on. everybody I dare say has got issues in the past that they 're not proud of. Move on and let it go and do not let it to hinder your future. I was born and raised in Austria and um, hill country, and occasionally had a chance to travel into the mountains and they got these high high um, What's the word? There's a word for it, that I don't know what it is in English, but they got these fields up high in the the mountains, and what they do is they take the cattle up um, into the mountains in summertime, and before winter comes, they bring them back down again. It's quite a a, a deal, as they move them up and move them back down, but they have no fencing up there. Uh, and so what they do is they take these cows uh, and they just graze all day and they move around in the side of the hill. In fact, sometimes you think they, they move like mountain goals, they've learned how to negotiate steep terrain. And, but what they do is they put a, a kind of a rope around their neck and then they just attach a bit of timber about yay long and they drag, the cows just drag that. Uh, on the ground and sometimes uh, what they do is there's a lead cow uh, that's the boss of the, all the other ones and on that lead cow they put a bell so if they go looking for the cows they could be anywhere up in the hills but they listen for the sound and they can't get very far because they all got that, uh, that kind of clobber thing that they drag around with themselves. And you know, many people in life have got one of those clobber things uh, around their neck. They're dragging things uh, with them through life. It's all issues of the past, but they're still dragging it today. They're still dragging the hurts and still carrying the disappointment and still carrying the like, oh, if only I had it, living their whole life a life of remorse. Time to lay down. Cut the rope. Do away with this thing. God hasn't shackled you. If you're born again, you are forgiven, my friend. If you've prayed about it and asked God to forgive you, you are forgiven. God hasn't shackled you. It's the devil that shackles people and ties things on them and doesn't want to let them go. The devil wants to add things. Some people don't drag one thing around with them. They drag 15 things around with them. It's no wonder they can't move forward. Their imagination is all rehash, relive, replay, over and over and over. Forgetting, light, uh, forgetting those things that lie behind and reaching forward. So we've got to learn to let go of the past. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct our imagination to the glorious future which God has prepared for us. Just a couple of verses of scripture that just kind of uh, make sure that everybody, that we're all on the same page. I know religion would have us believe that God leads us into problems and into disasters to teach us something and to see how we would respond in that situation. And, you know, it's just always uh, always uh, puzzled me. God, who knows everything, knows the past, the present, and the future, needs to lead me into something to see how I would respond. I thought God knows the future. We might be tempted to lead somebody into a sticky situation just to see how they would respond. And then, you know, <laughs> but God's not tempted that way. God knows how we would respond in any given situation. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the bright morning light growing brighter and brighter until full day. Who are the righteous? Well, we are the Righteous. If you're born again, the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. And our lives ought to get brighter and brighter and better and better. That's not to say that there's no no challenges. That's not to say that stuff can't go wrong. But, you know, God doesn't have wrong in our future. Wrong happens all by itself. We need to use our faith to get around these things that the devil has planned for us and to avert disaster in the future. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's got a plan. God says, I have a plan. I have a future for you. I have a hope for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. See, God's future for our lives does not contain disasters, calamities, sickness, or any of that other stuff. It's not part of God's future for us. His plan is only blessing. His plan is only peace. It's only health. It's only prosperity. And we use faith to enter into God's path for our future. As I said, a lot of stuff that goes down in people's lives happens all by itself. When I say all by itself, as in, you know, life's just filled with, with, with bad stuff for people. We don't need to use our faith for that. That all, that all just, you know, happens. Uh, uh, much of it happens because of wrong choices that we've made, wrong decisions, um, wrong words that we've spoken wrong relationships that we might keep, just a raft of things. And then, then, of course, the devil tries to attack and tries to put stuff on us. And then the sad thing is, when bad stuff happens in the lives of, say, Christians, then they begin to surmise and they begin to, like, uh, try to get all spiritual about it. and say, oh, God's led me here and God's done this and God's done that. Listen, God it had nothing to do with your disasters. This disasters happened without God. Yeah. This uh dear minister friend, acquaintance, I suppose. Can't say that I, he would have been a friend. I've known him and he'd know me and sort of cross paths every now and then and think his life just took a couple of turns for the worse and and somehow and uh he had uh, just uh just uh, you know, disastrous Things going on in his body and um, just his disease and stuff and he sort of bounced out. And uh, I got listening to him once. He's talking to a group of people and he was absolutely adamant that God had led him to this. This is a minister. And we're not talking 150 years ago. We're talking just a few years ago. God had led him into this, and it was all God, part of God's plan, so he would learn some things and learn that and learn the other. I just couldn't stand it. I just walked away. I just, I don't want to listen to that. I just, I, I don't want that spirit in my life. I don't want that thing to get on me. And needless to say, with his faith in disasters and sickness, within months, this whole thing took him out, and he, he's gone today. Did he get to heaven? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. People are born again to get to heaven. But too many people get there too soon. God says, With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Psalm 91. With long life. God's plan is long life. God doesn't pluck one flower sooner uh, than, than before it's left out its life. Another minister. Friend talked about, you know, some baby died in some disastrous situation. The minister gets up and says, oh, God, pick pick the flower a bit sooner than what we had anticipated. Stop saying these things and blaming God for cut deaths and disasters. Stop doing that. It is an affront to God to blame God for disasters and calamities. God's got a good life for us a hope and a future. And we don't have to put explanations on everything that's happened to us. Some things we just didn't understand. It's not say so we had to be blamed for everything and, and that we have to feel guilty about things that have gone on. And that's not to say that if there's stuff going on in life that somebody should blame you. It's not about blame. It's about learning how to live by faith and to step into our glorious future where our path shines brighter and brighter unto that day. Where the Bible says, I have got plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and to give you a future. And finally here in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance of things we hope for. What's a hope? A hope is A vision. We hope for a better day. Sometimes people fear for a worse day, but we hope for a better day. We hope for a, a better future. We hope for a healthier life. We hope for a, for a, for a prosperous life. We hope for a good marriage. We hope for a, for a blessing on our family rather than disasters and curses. That's what we hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If we learn how to use faith, we're going to enter into the hope and see come to pass in our lives. Young and Joe has consistently argued that before faith will work, you've got to have a hope. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a desire. And then we use faith to move towards that. Yeah. That's why we teach faith. People get discouraged all by themselves. They don't, not, they don't need preachers to discourage them. People get muddled up in their own minds uh, regarding what's of God and what's of the devil all by themselves. They don't need help. They need help to to clearly and rightly divide the word of truth. I wonder if the musicians could come and let's just worship God. I'm sensing in my heart that for some of you, this is like, uh, uh, you know, you've heard stuff on vision before but you haven't moved forward because you're still shackled to things of the past. This is like drawing a line in the sense, I'm stepping over, I'm not going back to this thing that is still ever again. I'm going to give it to God. That worry, that hurt, that disappointment, and, uh, and if you haven't said sorry when you needed to, say sorry, but then walk away from here and don't take it with you ever again. Just move away from there and allow the Spirit of God to clear the slate and to clear your imagination so you can start to dream about not just bouncing out, but dream about good things in your future. And just let's see how the Holy Spirit leads us from here. We've still got plenty of time. In fact, Pastor Vanessa is going to come to just lead us perhaps in a time of prayer. But let me tell you now that uh, somewhere if you've got things that, that, that you want to make a stand this morning, then get up out of your chair make a stand and say, I'm just walking away from here and I'm not taking this issue of the past with me again. I'm going to leave it here this morning and... Uh, Walk away from there. Praise God. Thanks, guys.